Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I am Katie, and with me as always is... Hey guys, what's going on? It is Jason. Alright, it has been a new week. We've had summer weather, I've been at the pool... It is June already. I don't know how that happened. I feel like April was like five years long and then May went by just like a snap. <laughs> well, I mean, it didn't help that in May we finally got to go outside. So I think that helps. That's true. Um, yeah, we've got the windows open here. It feels awesome. I'm loving this. It's actually going to get a little bit cooler this weekend. I keep trying to convince Jason to let us go camping, but he has this whole thing against the outdoors. So that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, it's a, it's a, um, the outside is my enemy, so I like to stay inside where it's friendly, it's friendly territory. <laughs> I don't have bugs, I don't have sun, it's a nice 70-ish degrees all the time, it's, it's nice in here. I don't, I don't understand it. It's lovely, so I hope you guys are getting some vitamin D, enjoying this beautiful weather now that we are in June, which is pretty awesome. Because it's June, let's get started with some news. And I feel like there are some some interesting things out on Kickstarter right now. The first one I want to talk about is funny because I'm talking about summer. Um, but this project on Kickstarter is called Upkeep. And so Jason's like, oh, yeah, I saw that title. I thought it was about like upkeep in like a board game, like it was an existential board game. And it is not. All you're doing in the game is just moving tracks around and just preparing <laughs> for the next round. Every round, you're just preparing for the next round. That would be Jason's ideal game, all the tracks. (laughs) Yep. But no, this upkeep is actually about fall. And in the game, you're trying to upkeep your yard. You're trying to keep, get the leaves out, um, fix the garden. And then the weather, meanwhile, the weather is working against you. There's storms that are knocking down branches and leaves. And there could be hail and, or there could be a drought. You can't work on the garden. And I... I thought it was interesting because the artwork's really cute. And you've got these four different player yards. So each yard has a little bit different. Like one has a pool, one has a garden. Um, there's the storm tokens. Um, then you each have these little recycle bins that you can put stuff in, like the different types of leaves and things. And I thought another thing I thought was really cool is that you can play it in different ways. So if you want to play with your family, it has this like kind of cooperative level where you're you're all together trying to help each other and you're playing against the timing mechanism, which in this game is the storm deck um, for the weather. So there's like six storm cards and like 12 calm weather cards. So you're trying to get your yard and everyone's yard cleaned up before that deck runs out. Um, or you can play competitively and be the first person to have their yard all cleaned up before everybody else. Or you can play solo, which is where you are competing by yourself against that weather deck. Um, And you can put in different number of storm cards to kind of up and change the level of difficulty. I mean, it doesn't look like it's a super, you know, intense game, but it looks really cute and it would be like a fun, lighthearted thing. And I love kind of unique themes. And so I thought this one was cute. So that is the game Upkeep. It's on Kickstarter right now. There's only nine days left. It's fully funded already. Um, and it's $39 for the base game. Does that price feel good to you? Or does it seem a little too much for what it is? Um, it, it maybe seems a little much, maybe. But it is like a fully, like a full-size game. Because you've got four different player boards. You've got 16 different types, uh, 16 different recycling bins. 
You've got um, the, the different leaf chips. Uh, there are a lot of components. That I don't think that that's too terrible of a price point, really. Did you mention player boards before? You said player yards. I didn't pick up that that was a player board. Oh, oh. I'm more intrigued. I'm more intrigued now. There are four different types of yards, which the yards are your player boards, honey. I love player boards. Oh, they're so good. Anyway, I felt like that was... I didn't pick up on it. I'm daft, okay? Sometimes you got to write things in crayon for me, okay? I do know. We put it on post-it notes and stick it to your forehead. <laughs> player boards <laughs> are the board, are the yards. So, yep, that's upkeep. Um, if you're interested in something like that, like a fun little yard cleaning thing, definitely family weight game, check it out on Kickstarter. The next one is becoming a much more popular theme for a game, and this game is called Latte Throwdown. Cappuccino. That's what it's about, cappuccino. It's actually about making the art on top of, like, lattes. Uh, this is, <laughs> <laughs> which is interesting, which is kind of a thing. You see this pretty um, latte art, like, all over Instagram and stuff. Um, and this is by uh, Analog Game Studios. And you are, you've got your own set of dice. And it's it's almost like a kind of form of Yahtzee. You've got these different um, cards that you're you're rolling your dice to see what combos you get, to see if you have, you're trying to meet the combos on these different art cards so you can score those points. Um, but also, everyone's got their own, um, like, barista powers, basically, that can have you change dies or change someone else's dies, dice, um, can get you extra dice. Um, lots of different things. That, the dice are all latte colored, so it's like a white, a tan, a light brown, a black, which I think is cute. So everyone's rolling the dice. They're putting it out at the location that they kind of want to go for. And then you've got these power cards that can change some outcomes. And then you do the scoring round. So it's like, a, I feel like it's a neat little takeoff on Yahtzee. And most people like throwing dice, chucking dice. And this is just like a fun little um, different themed one. So that is Latte Throwdown. It has 12 days left on Kickstarter and it's 26 bucks. So two things on this one. Mm-hmm. That theme is super specific. Like <laughs> <laughs> It is really not, not just like not coffee even... brewing. It is the actual making the art in the foam. Yes. Right. So that's super specific, which is cool. And it's different. Second thing, when you said this company's name, I was like, this sounds really familiar. And they made this game on Kickstarter called On Point, a ballet game. And it looked really interesting because you're trying to have like a ballet battle. So mm. I was just looking that up. That's just a, a funny uh, or an interesting factoid, I guess. It has nothing to do with what you talked about. But a game about ballet is also an interesting theme. So they have an interesting latte theme and an interesting ballet theme. So that's cool. Yeah, and I think if you like dice games or you have people in your life, this is, again, another lighter game. 26 bucks is really not that bad for like a simple kind of fun, almost a filler game. So that's Latte Throwdown. Yeah, I do love Yahtzee games. This last one, I, Jason, I feel like you have more input on. So the last one I want to talk about is Bristol 1350. And I, this, oh, yeah. I love the subtitle that it's um, a medieval game of racing, plague, and deceit. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right. Yep. So Bristol 1350 is uh, the fourth game in the facade games it was called the dark silly dark cities trilogy i guess now it's going to be the dark cities quadrilogy mm. i don't know i don't know if that's a word but series the we'll just go for series <laughs> the fourth game in the series so no it, it's the like is it the fourth game because trophies is also from them 
Yeah, but that's not in the uh, Dark Cities because those are the little book games. Right. Trophies isn't a little book game. So this trophies is just separate. Okay. But um, along the lines of like Tortuga, I don't know the years because I'm terrible. And <laughs> 1667, I believe. No, wait, that's and Salem. Salem. Also, don't know the years. Uh, it has kind of the same kind of deal where you're trying to get out of this city or the town on a cart and you're trying to not get the plague. The tricky thing is, is you don't know who has the plague. You don't, you can't have anyone on your cart that has the plague or else you'll lose if you get out of town. Right. So you're trying to like move cart from cart to cart, um, make sure you don't get the plague, figure out who has the plague. And it's just, it's interesting. They do that, that like social deduction hidden role thing pretty well. And it's not super convoluted. It's not hard to play. And I think this one will be cool because it also has some dice you can roll that have some apples and skulls maybe i'm not sure what the sides are but i know there's an apple and it's really cool and i think you're just trying to be the first person out of the city without getting the plague or the first cart with non-plague people and you win yeah you want to be on the first cart and it's really kind of neat because you've got these symptom cards that you're drawing so there's all these chances to get the plague but you can also get remedy cards that help get rid of some of those um so that's constantly changing. It reminds me, like, so Tortuga, 1667, and then Salem, 1692. We've played both of those, and this seems like a mix between them because it's social deduction because you're like, okay, who has the plague? You're freely encouraged to talk. So you can say, okay, this is a symptom card I drew. You know, this is what I have. But people could be lying through their teeth because they want to get out, and they're hoping that they can ditch their plague cards so that they can be the ones out. The custom die with apples and rats are really cool. Um, because if you get so many rats, that indicates uh, an increased chance of the plague. So you're going to have to get draw more symptoms cards. It's got these special actions, like player actions, which I think is really awesome. It's an advanced thing in the game, but I would totally always play with it. You should probably always play with it, yeah. Um, and for me, I love the production on their games because I I'm a sucker for anything that's shaped like a book. I love that. It looks really cool on the shelf. It has like this magnetic snap closed. Um, the board is actually a roll up mat. The cards have these really neat, like cool time period kind of setting artwork. They've got these, the carts are these little miniature carts. And if there's also an upgraded version where they're metal, but even the, the regular version, they're like nice little um, sculpted carts that they, they look wooden, like it's just really interesting. You've got these little ponds that they actually fit in there as you're moving them down um, to get out of town. Like, I just think it's really great. However, the deluxe edition has metal coins, which, and metal carts, and a mini, a mini expansion, all of which I think is really cool. So in this one, once you get the plague, do you always have the plague? Because in Salem, once you're a witch, you're always a witch. Um, is that the same kind of deal here? I thought I read that somewhere, but I haven't looked at it for a while, so I'm not 100% sure. I feel like I looked it up and now I'm trying to remember. So let's just say that that's the way that it works. Well, and then you could, because if you think that someone has the plague, so like Tortuga, you can move up to the front of carts. You can jump to different carts. You can also shove somebody off the cart if you think that they have the plague. Then what happens? Do they die? They just have to get on a different cart. Oh, I got you. I got you. That's cool. So you're not, you can't really get out of the city unless you're in a cart. Right. Because, yeah, that's interesting. You don't want to walk through the, the poop just laying in the gutters. Right. Because that's how you get the plague, man. Yep. It's how you get the plague. 
Yeah, I think that you can get rid of the plague. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's that's a little different. No, that's no, a nice it's not. twist. If your symptoms ever add up to six or greater, you can track the plague and lose the game. But it doesn't uh, mean you're out of the game. So then now you're trying to make sure that no healthy players win. So you basically play spoiler. Yes. Yeah, that's that's fun. That's fun. So you can either like force carts to get um, more symptoms by like rolling more rats. You can spread around like these high symptoms cards when you're mingling with carts. You can jump on a cart. You can cross have a cart cross the finish line. Because you you are you choose. Am I going to move myself? Am I going to move the cart? Are we going to get cards? So you can move a cart and push it across the finish line. And if it's empty, that means that the healthy players lose. Or if you know someone has the plague on a cart, you can make sure that cart crosses so that the healthy players lose. Um, and it plays up to nine players, which they have like high player counts on their games. And they're local to us. They're from Columbus, which I think is really awesome. And there's even yeah, a that is cool. there's even a solo variant for this, so it's one to nine players, which I think is really cool. I love, I really like their games. There's 12 days left, so I would encourage you guys to check it out because we uh, really like this company, and it's 21 bucks for the basic. I would like, wow. I would like the high, the you know, the deluxe because I want those metal coins and stuff, um, you know. But Jason would probably not let me. I may back this at the 21 buck. Limit. That's pretty nice. The deluxe, that's a good. But the deluxe is only thirty nine, and you get like that's like two games. Listen that's to me. Two of those. Listen to me. Thirty nine. You get nine more exclusive characters, which so they have their own player powers. You get metal coins. You get a mini expansion. You get the metal carts, and you get these little mini art prints. But I could buy the twenty one dollar version oh my twice. Gosh. But it won't have the other stuff. It won't have the metal coins. But Courtney, I know you're with me on this. Metal coins are the way to go. And metal carts. Metal coins and carts. But the base, the standard edition that does give you the nine Kickstarter exclusive character cards and all the stretch goals, $21. So there's 12 days on left, left on that. So Bristol 1350, especially if you like, like social reduction games or you have big groups, this is kind of a game that seems like it would be fun to get people involved say oh do you have the plague do you not what carts are you moving that fun little subterfuge but it's not all social deduction where you're just looking at each other and trying to figure out who people are just based on the way their face looks you actually have actions that you can do to back things up to try different things so that's yeah bristol 1350 100 percent. their games are great to play with big big crowds and they're actually fun to play it's not just like sitting around and playing cards on each other you're actually playing a game and they do it really well which is cool so of all the news pieces this is definitely one i'm most intrigued by 100 oh, percent. i like the upkeep the the yards <laughs> that's true now that i well i guess now that i know the yards are player boards i'm a little more interested in that too <laughs> and that's all i have for news all right so this is going to sound crazy, but we actually played three games together. So we're going to talk about what? three games that we both played. I know. It's crazy. We it's madness. We do like each other, people. Yeah, I know. I don't know if we can do this because usually it's like I played two and you played one or I played three and you played zero. But we're going to try it. We're going to see how it works. So the first game we want to talk about is an Uve game, and it is called Mercator. Mm-hmm. In Mercator, what you're trying to do is uh, you're... Moving around this map, you're going to different locations like Denmark, 
um, Bohemia, France, and you're collecting different types of cubes. They're going to re- represent one of two goods. It's going to be, and they're, and they're going to have a type. So there could be a weapon, it could be a food, could be a fabric. I don't know if there's one more. I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Then what you're trying to do is you're trying to go to a different location to fulfill contracts that need those cubes. So it's effectively a pick up and deliver game. And it's a really puzzly one too, because it is super hard to get cubes from where you need and then get to where you need with said cubes. And you can piggyback off other players' turns and give them some time. And you're trying to like manage how well you're going some places because if you run out of time on a board, the game is over and you may not want to be done yet. So it's a it's a nice I guess it's an exercise of efficiency. And I, I kinda like those games. I lost as per usual. No, you didn't. Oh, I won this one? I take it back. I love this game. It's I'm, great. I'm pretty sure you beat me because I am not. No, maybe. Yeah, I think you did. Yeah, I think, I think I did. I'm not good at efficiency. <laughs> I'm just playing my own game however I want to play it. It's because Katie likes to spend $42 on a game that you can get for 21 Oh, my gosh. Do not even <laughs> bring that into this discussion how dare you how dare you <laughs> all right i'm not gonna call you a karen again because i was I gonna call you karen right there right there <laughs> pulling stuff out of like ancient uh, history last segment i'm gonna call the manager that has no bearing on this segment the thing that was hard for me about this game is that it's pick up and deliver and so you have contracts but you never get rid of the contracts unless you sell them so you could keep filling the same contract over and over again and that's, that's true. different. You can only have, and you can only have so many contracts in front of you, which is different from most games. Um, just because you're, normally you fulfill a contract, you set aside, you move on, and you score points later for that contract you fulfilled. That's not how this works. You actually don't get points from fulfilling the contracts, which is so annoying to me. You get a better contract. So if you fulfill a five-level contract, you get a six-level contract, but you get to keep the five-level contract. Yeah, it's it's tricky. Right. So you're trying to move up in your contract levels because the level of the contract is the level of points you get. So as you, you, you're using those lower contracts as stepping stones to bigger and better ones, um, but they're harder to get to fulfill. Um, and then you want to... Or another way to get points is to buy these like building cards that give you points as well. So you're selling contracts to get money to buy building cards, but then you're selling off your points essentially and hoping you convert them into better points. Um, and so the first time we played it, I, I did not do as well as I think I could do or I'm capable of doing because I just was like, I'm playing my own thing. And I'm like, wait, why aren't these contracts helping me at all? Yeah, I think next time we play it, you'll get it and you'll probably beat me like a thousand to ten. So... I mean, you can look forward to that. I will. I will. Yeah. So I played this twice. I played it with Brandon. And you've only played it once, but I enjoy it quite a bit. The first time play, I wasn't so sure, but the second time, I did enjoy it more. Yeah, I think it will definitely grow on me. And it is because I like games where each choice really matters. Not so much that you're completely screwed up if you make a bad choice, but... um, it's saying okay do i want to follow because i can get stuff or you know if i want to go here and i can get these cubes these resources can i fulfill any contracts here at the same time how can i make this into an engine that really works for me where i can go somewhere get resources and fulfill a contract all at the same time 
And so really like trying to queue up those different combos, it is makes it really interesting. And so it is thinky and puzzly, even though um, it's really deceptively simple as far as gameplay goes. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. It's like I texted, I messaged the uh, Scott, and because he traded it to me, I was like, "Is this game supposed to feel this easy? Because I'm just going to a place and taking the stuff. Like it feels like I'm missing something, <laughs> but just the way it plays, I guess." Right, because yeah, you go to a place and take stuff, but do you need that stuff? Is that going to fill a contract? Can you complete the contract where you're there? Do you have enough turns for that? Like. Do you want to go somewhere? Are you going to like get more time off the time track and speed the game up when you really want to complete more things and move more stuff around? Like there are a lot of moving parts in this game. Um, and so I, I really enjoyed it. All right. What you got? What's the second game that we played? The second game at first I thought I'm going to hate this game. And that game is called The 100 Tori. So this has the theme that I love. It's a Japanese-themed game. The artwork is so pretty. And you're trying to take a walk through a Japanese garden. And look at stuff. Look at these landmarks. There are um, Inari statues. You've got these big, large stones. You've got these pretty water basins. You've got bridges. You know, all these really gorgeous things. And so I I love that theme. It's a tile-laying game. I hate tile-laying games. (laughs) Because I usually completely suck at them. Um, However, this is only squares. So I thought, I can do this. I can do this. But also, a lot of tiling games have to do with area control, like Carcassonne. Which is another reason why I suck at them. But this is not that. So in 100 Tori, you have two tiles. On your turn, you choose to play one. Then you are looking for matching landmarks. Either from the start tile, which has one of every type of landmark... Or from other tiles. You're trying to find the closest path between two of the same landmarks. And when you do that, you're going to get tokens of the landmarks. Now there are these tori, which if you don't know what a tori is, it's these beautiful Japanese gates. There are two different colors of tori, red tori, blue tori. Um, Red tori will give you an extra um, one of your landmarks. And a blue tori will let you pick any that's not the landmark you matched so you're going through and you're just trying to get the most points by collecting f- groups of five of the same type of landmark um by then you can also use helpers which i think adds another level to the game where you can hire like a gardener or a geisha or a samurai and they kind of allow you to bend the normal rules maybe you can play two tiles and then score the second one maybe you can you know cover up the closest um, matching landmarks that you can possibly go through more Tori. A lot of different things to do with this game, so it's always different when you play it. Um, a lot of different ways to score points, depending on what you want to go with. Uh, for me, I'm usually bad at these games because I'm always like, oh, everyone sees what the longest path is and what the best thing to do is, and I don't. But the, the great thing about this game is you're scoring points as you go. So let's say maybe every time you're not having the maximum kind of turn. But every once in a while you do. Every scroll finds a nut. So maybe one time you'll find a really great long path and everyone's like, oh, that's a great thing. I wanted to go there. I'm going to see if I can use that somehow on my turn. And it makes you feel really good. Even if you're not winning, you still get these kind of small wins along the way that I think make the game really engaging and a little bit... Um, more fun, even if you don't win. So I really liked it. I'd actually want to own this one. Yeah, that's surprising. Uh, I figured you would hate it. But the the one thing that I like about it is, 
until you get so many of each of the little tokens, they're not worth points, but they're used as currency. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to man like figure out and when you want to cash them in for points. Well, you have to cash them in once you hit five or ten. But you're trying to figure out, do I want to spend this token now, and then it'll take longer to get to five? Do I want to just hold it and take something else so I can get to five at this, you know, faster? So that was pretty fun to me. And the one character that lets you cover up the landmarks, the poet, mm-hmm. he's amazing. Or she, I'm not sure what if it was a, a male or female, it doesn't matter. But that character was awesome. Like, that's how everybody was piggybacking off of your uh, one route with the... The ramen bowl. It's not a ramen bowl. It's like lily, a lily pond. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, that one. <laughs> oh boy. You, like you built this route, and then like two other people just like used the poet or um, this the geisha, and just kept building over that, and then they would use the poet and like block some of the other ones so they could get huge points. It was crazy. So yeah, it, it is a pretty fun game. I enjoyed it. Takes thirty minutes. It looks really nice because it's Vincent Dutre, and yeah, it's a good game. Yeah, I really liked it. It was fun and pretty. And so the, the the third game we played together for me was the redemption game. And I don't know how many episodes ago we talked about playing the alchemists. And I thought, yeah, this game is going to be exactly what I love. I love deduction games. It's really cool. Like you use the app with it. It's going to be fun. It was not fun. It was one of the worst experiences <laughs> ever. <laughs> The first time or the second time? The first time. The first time we played it. Right. I felt like a complete moron. I was like, why am I so stupid? Why am I so stupid? I can't get any of this right. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and so I was like so adamant about how could I be this bad at this game? I have to play it again. I will play it solo if I have to over and over again until I figure out what the stink I'm doing. So Jason actually got a copy for of it so that we could play it so I could like kind of get over my vendetta against this game. <laughs> yeah, you you were you were ragging on it pretty hard I, about how dumb you just felt dumb. Like it just made you feel dumb. I did. Like and it. no one likes to feel dumb, especially me. Like I hate that. I'm like if I got one thing going for me, it's my brain works pretty good. But I <laughs> I don't know what happened the first time I played the alchemist. I don't know if I just didn't get it or what. So we played it again. Redemption. I totally won. Like, major. Um, I knew... It wasn't major. It was like 10 points. That's like a pretty big spread in this game, buddy. I guess that's true. The scoreboard does only go to 50. So, uh, yeah, I guess you're right. You're right. Um, I knew the combo for... So if you don't know Alchemist, it is a deduction game where you're trying to figure out the specific combo of arbitrary pluses and minuses and colors for each of these little like ingredients there's a toad like a fiddlehead fern um chicken foot yeah chicken foot a mushroom a blue flower all this different stuff and you're doing it by um kind by uh worker placement like getting um ingredients to test and um you can buy things to help you you can sell potions to get money so you can publish your findings and then you can run experiments on different ingredients on yourself or on you know unwitting students so i figured out all the ingredients before the final rounds i felt really i figured out two thank you very much wow two out of what how many are there seven (laughs) and i had and i had to debunk myself twice I did have to debunk myself once, but it wasn't too bad. I, because I was totally guessing when I when I made when I made that when I published that finding, 
I, I, it like just clicked for me. And I don't know if it's because I seem to do better at two player games than at higher player counts for some reason. Well, it's because you know that your competition is like <laughs> terrible. So I think that helps you a little bit. I, it's not true, honey. <laughs> you really, you beat me real bad at Mercator. That's true. That was pretty embarrassing. Shut up. Let's live, let's live play. <laughs> let's try it again. Okay. I'm up for it. I'm always up for playing a game, but I probably would lose. But I, and, and so maybe I need to try it at a higher player count again to see if if my luck still holds, if I actually have figured out how to play this game. But it just it for some reason, like it clicked better this time. So I feel totally like redemption. I like this game. I do know how to do deduction. Honestly, I taught Jason something else about deduction because he <laughs> I'm awful. I, I am awful at it. I, I'm not bad at this one, but there was an obvious piece that I was missing that. You fill me in on. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Because I was doing like these deduction puzzles. Like when I was in elementary school, I was in like a special class for smart kids. And so we did these on a regular basis. Like where, okay, if you know this piece of information and you know this piece of information that's not exactly matching, how do you logic through? So I love that stuff. I love that. That's one of my favorite things to do. And I'm like, why can't I figure out alchemists? I know I'm not stupid. I've been doing these since I was like... Single digit kid. Um, I figured it out. I feel good. So I need to have other people over. We're going to play it with a, a, a group of four again. And I'm going to make sure my brain still works at four. I don't know. It would be tough to play it at four after playing it at two. It's just so much faster. <laughs> and it doesn't really add anything extra with extra people other than time and more people getting in the way well and that's the thing is like then you're competing for spaces and it's different i think for me right when there's more people you're really trying to publish and get things out there and i feel the pressure of that whereas with two yeah. i didn't feel pressure with that because i'm like okay all i'm trying to do is figure out the deduction component of this game screw the rest of it i don't care all i'm gonna do is figure out these elements yeah i guess there would be more opportunities for some endorsements and stuff with more people right so you wouldn't have to actually come up with stuff you could just say hey you sound pretty smart i'm gonna just ride on your coattails and that's what i did last time and it was a train wreck so yeah that's true who knows but that was alchemist alchemist is good i still i still enjoyed it i liked it the first time because i won i liked it the second time even though i lost and i like it too because it's so fast well it's still like two hours but that's faster than it didn't feel long though i don't think that's true yeah it might have been an hour and a half but either way it was good yep so that's the games we played So this week, this podcast, this episode, tonight, today, we'll cover all the things that we always Morning, say. evening, in between two different days. <laughs> yeah. Twilight, dawn. We're going to talk... <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about games that have aged gracefully. So what that kind of means is a game that is from 2010 or before so in board gaming that's like ancient games our base criteria is 10 years old or older what this means to me is a game that feels like it could have been made today and it still holds up so like if i pick up this game it feels like it's fresh it feels new it feels good still and i enjoy playing it a ton and just because it's 10 years old you can't tell so that's kind of what i mean what my criteria was to see how a game aged gracefully 
And I, now, what did you do? Because I'm sure it's the complete opposite. Of it what is I completely did. different. I think that's crap. I think a game that ages gracefully is one that is still a good game regardless of his age. So, for example, we could pick. We have we pick three games. Um, the gambler could have been all three of those spots for us because it's a game that is over ten years old and it's still fun to play here in 2020. I don't care if the artwork look, looks old. I don't care if we've changed mechanisms or whatever. That game is fun. And for me, that was my criteria. 10 years or older, and the game is still fun to play. I don't care if it feels fresh or new. Screw that. Call to the new. I don't care about that jazz. If the game's fun, I don't care how old it is. I mean, the gambler is my number one game of all time, so I I agree. <laughs> But we did not put the gambler on here because we've talked about it enough. But hey, we're getting it on the BGG Top 100. It's going to happen. Oh, yeah. We saw a post on Facebook, somebody else talking about the gambler, and it was exciting. <laughs> it's the little things, people. It's the little things. <laughs> yep. So I'll start with my first game. And this game is old and ugly. It's ugly, but I love to play this game. Whatever. It's beautiful. Stop. That game is London. And I'm talking about the first edition, not the second one where you took away the board. I don't know if the second one actually meets the age. No, one. it's no, it's too new. It was like a couple years ago. Okay, but I actually prefer and do play the first edition. I wasn't bending the rules for this game. I love London. Um, it's at its heart an engine builder. You are taking cards, drawing cards, and then playing cards onto your tableau at the same time you have to decide what cards to give up in order to pay for those cards um then you run your engine run your city to try and generate the most money to try to generate the least poverty also while you are doing a little bit of air control by having different parts of the regions of london which help you reduce your poverty which help give you extra points sometimes and what you're running um, I think a good engine builder never outstays its welcome, no matter how old it is. And I think this is just a really good one. You're making good, like, tell me decisions. What am I keeping? What am I going to pay for it with? Um, is it worth it? What's the payoff? How big am I going to make my city? Because I run more cards, I get more stuff, but I also generate more poverty. It's that great kind of balancing act that I just love. So London is my first choice. Oh, yeah, I totally agree with everything you said. Um, it's a great game. The second edition is terrible compared to the first edition. The art in the first edition is beautiful. Um, it's <laughs> it just is really not. good. <laughs> no, this is a really good game. Um, definitely something that I enjoy playing. It's super fun. Marty Wallace is a beast, and this is a good game. Oh, that came out in 2010, by the way. I forgot to give its age. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, 2010 or older, so we'll just assume that Hopefully we did a little bit of research and we put correct well, years on yes, all this. Yes, but I, I want to be informative. All right. Well, I didn't put the years on mine. So maybe while I'm talking, you can be the professional and tell me what this one that I'm going to talk about is. So all right. the first the first game I want to talk about is a game from my uncle Vital, and it is called Vinos. Not the new 2016 version because that wouldn't meet the criteria. So I'm pretty sure this one's from 2010, considering what you just typed in the outline. (laughs) And so the version I have is actually from What's Your Game slash Z-Man, I think. And it plays the same as the the vintage version of the 2016 one. 
And what you're trying to do in this is you are buying vineyards. You are making wine in said vineyards. You're going to hire people to work on your vineyards to make your wine better. You are going to um, sell your wine to the domestic market, like a, a hotel, a restaurant. You're going to sell your wine to the foreign market. You're going to enter your wine into a wine fair to try to impress some uppity judges so they will give you favors throughout the rest of the game. And the way that this is done through this interesting little worker placement deal in a 3 by 3 grid where you're going to move this your one of your workers to a different square. You can move adjacent for free. If you want to move, you want to skip spaces, you have to pay $1,000. If you want to go somewhere else, where if you want to go somewhere where someone else is, you have to pay them $1,000. Um, you may have to pay your, you're going to have to pay your workers money. Sometimes you have to go to the bank and get some money out because you got to have money to pay for stuff. Normal Vital stuff. So the reason I kind of picked this one is a couple reasons. It's super fun. And it feels just like a game that Vital would make now. Now, yeah, like it feels like I'm playing Lisboa or something like that. It's not as like deep as Lisboa, I don't think, but it still has Vital's DNA. It still feels like a Vital game. So just because it's ten years old doesn't mean that you know it's not a good game or it's not fun. It still feels like it could have come out yesterday, and I would still like it. So that is my first one, and that is Vinos from 2010. Do we? We play. We have the 2010 version, right? Or do we play the updated? Yeah, we played the updated with Joel, and then we have the old and busted one that is the colors I like. Okay, yeah, because we played the first version, and I hated it. And then I gave it a second chance, even though I thought it would kill me. But I love Uncle Vital so much that I thought I'd do it. Um, and yeah, this version is good. It is such a Vital game. All the different things to think about, all the following actions... Um, do one thing in order to be able to do another thing and make two things happen three turns later. Um, yeah, it's solid. Totally solid. Love it. So my next one is old. We're talking 2007. Ancient. No one, no one was even alive then. <laughs> no one was even alive then. Oh, I've got an even older one. I think. I- <laughs> um, but the game, the next game I have is Thebes. And I think this is really an under underrated game. Is this a queen game? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, and we got it on Mega Sale. I think it's on sale a lot. But Thebes is a game where you are archaeologists, which I think is a really cool theme. I love that. Um, but the thing about Thebes is it's so thematic. So you want to go be an archaeologist and dig in these different dig sites with these ancient civilizations, Mesopotamia, Greece, Egypt, you know, all these things. But a good archaeologist has to study. So you go to these other cities so that you can study, collect some knowledge, maybe get some vehicles to help you get there. Because not only do you have to have knowledge to help your dig, you also have to spend time there. And so the turn kind of mechanic for Thebes is how much time you take at a dig site. How long does it take to get somewhere? You know, all those things are a factor. And then it's also really thematic in that it's a bag pull for whichever dig site you go to. It has its own bag. It has a number of different values of artifacts in there. And it's got some dirt because when you go digging somewhere, you're not automatically going to find a really priceless artifact. And so based on how much knowledge you have and how much time you take increases your chances of drawing out more 
shits from the bag to get some really good artifacts that you can then exhibit in a museum or sell for money, um, kind of doing a set collection thing. Um, this game is so fun. I don't care this from 2007 because it's, it feels like, you know, Quacks of Quedlinburg, very recent game where you're draw, blind drawing out of a bag. Again, making the most of what's in there. There's some good, there's some bad. Yeah, the mechanics in general are different, but we're still doing that blind bag drawing because there's something about that push your luck that we love. And then there's a time management piece. And then I've got to learn some knowledge. And then I'm racing you because if you take out some artifacts, there's going to be a lot more dirt in there versus what's what is actually available for me to dig for. Um, I just think it's a fun game. I think it's an underrated, kind of under the radar game. But I, I do like pusher luck. I do like really thematic games. And so Thebes for me is a great game that's aged gracefully. Yeah, I, I like this game quite a bit. And if if I would have a game that would be like Indiana Jones, this one feels pretty Indiana Jones. Because sure. you're traveling around to different places digging up for artifacts. So I mean there's no Nazis trying to kill you or anything. Or That's true. Um, take That's your true. heart out, but it's still it's still pretty good. <laughs> Thebes, the Temple of Doom. <laughs> yeah, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> that'd be awesome. Yeah, that's a good pick. All right, so Katie in her first one said that she wasn't going to cheat by doing a second edition, but in this one, I'm going to cheat by using a second edition that just came out last year, I think, mm-hmm. and it, it's called Predator. But that's probably only because we can get our hands on the new edition, and we can't get our hands on the old edition. Yes, that is correct. But the first edition, when the game was uh, first came out, it was from 2010, from Portal. Uh, the new one's from Portal. It's just it has pretty much the same mechanisms, just more updated art and a little more streamlined, I think. But Predator, what you're doing is you're running a fashion house, mm-hmm. and you're trying to put on fashion shows of certain types of line. I guess lines of clothing. So maybe you'll have leisure wear, sport wear, um, formal. I don't know what all the symbols are. I know that they're, they just have symbols. And then you're going to be selling those for a pile of cash. You're going to be using that cash to buy bigger, better, bleh, use words, better buildings for your fashion house to hire better employees to just make your building better. And the goal of the game is to try to have the most money over, I think, uh, three rounds or something like that six rounds and this is a super fun game um that was a horrible explanation but we have a video on our youtube channel so you can go watch me actually play it and not you know sound like a moron maybe i'll sound like a moron but you can still see how it works this game i think is is really strategic it's up there with a lot of like the heavier games that we like to play um, like Coimbra and Grand Austria and um, Trismegistus and, you know, all those things where you're keeping track of multiple um, items where every um, worker placement that you make is maybe a chance of you giving up on something else on that turn. It's it's just a great game. I actually would like the earlier edition. I was looking on the Geek Market to see if there is any, but then I think we need want second edition maybe or something. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, this is technically like the third or fourth edition, I think. But it's the one that looks the most different, the new one. The other ones are just tweaks around the edges, I think, on the older one. Yeah, I kind of want to have the older one to compare because we, we tend to like the older versions of games. I mean, I love the new one, and I think it's really cool. Um, but I wouldn't say no. 
to a second or, f- or first edition. Oh yeah, I mean the old one's like tan and beige. I mean, come on, that's got that's, that's right got, up her alley. Yeah, that's got BGM all over it. Okay, so my last one is the oldest game on this list, and in my opinion, it's it's one of the best games. This game is really hard to find, um, and really expensive when you can find it. And we lucked out somehow to find a copy on a shelf somewhere at a decent price <laughs> at a board game shop. Cool stuff, Inc online yeah i got it from cool stuff like it was like 30 bucks i don't know how i found it from cool stuff but got it brand new 30 bucks and that game is mystery of the abbey and i have actually played this with several other people and they are into it so mystery of the abbey is a good old-fashioned deduction game much in the style of clue where there has been a monk murdered and you are investigating at the abbey you are looking for clues you can go into rooms with other monks and ask them questions. And you've got this really funny player board that has all the different monks that are present at the Abbey and it identifies them by their monastic order, by what level they are, if they're a novice or a father, um, and then by their physical appearance, which is hilarious and probably would be politically incorrect right now. Um, but if they have their hoods up or their hoods down, if they have beards or no beards, if they are fat or if they are thin. Um, and it really kind of is like clue plus because it really opens it up. You can ask all kinds of questions um, of different people. Everyone's hearing you ask the questions. So there's all this constant player interaction. So even if you are not the one moving your piece around and um, asking about certain monks, and what information the players have in their hands, um, you can hear what other people are saying and receiving. There's also these specialty cards that allow you to maybe break the rules or get a bonus move or do something completely different. Like it's, and, and you switch up the cards every so many rounds. It's really fun. It's so great. Um, I wish that more people had the chance to play this because growing up, I really loved Clue. And then I found Mr. The Abbey and I'm like, this is the game I've been wanting my whole life because it's like grown up awesome clue and it's so great. So my third games that have aged gracefully is Mr. The Abbey. It's from 1995. The, yeah, this game makes clue look like a piece of trash. Um, <laughs> I don't a, know about a that. Terrible, a terrible kids game, a game that like was designed by me in like it does uh the middle of the night after i stubbed my toe on a lego that's what this makes clue feel like it does not stop no mostly the thing i like about this one is you can win by not actually guessing who the person is so you can go and make revelations and you could get more points that way than actually guessing who the murderer is so it's not just you either get it right or you don't and you win or you lose there's actually like you know, some strategy of when you want to go make a revelation, how many revelations you want to make. Do you want to make the accusation? It's yeah, it's just it has more stuff going on. And I like that. And for Jason, this game was reviving for him because he didn't understand how to deduce properly. So uh, at Clue, uh, so Mr. The Abbey gave him a chance to win and get points without actually having to figure out the answer. That's right. Because That's how we do it. Because I had to teach him as a grown adult man <laughs> how to do logical deduction. I just can't do it. You can now that I told you how to do it. I can now. You're right. You're right. Okay. Get I this, can. people. In Clue, 
Jason would just go around to all these different rooms and just make make up a random guess. He wouldn't base it on his cards. He wouldn't try to narrow it down if he had a bunch of rooms. Like, okay, let's I go in a room that I know I have and I'll look for a weapon. No, he would just make random guesses all the time. And I'm like, no wonder you could never win. That's not how you use logic and deduction. Then you taught me and I actually won a couple games. I know, I regret that. Yep, that's what you get. It is. But uh that means I am the original, I'm the master, I'm the sensei. But if there was no clue, which was started, you know, the first clue was in 1949, we wouldn't have Mr. The Abbey. Right, that is true. And that we wouldn't true. have that great movie, Clue, with Tim Curry. Also true. Yeah, it would be called Mr. The Abbey. And it would have monks. I don't, I mean, I guess Tim Curry, he <laughs> played Cardinal Richelieu in like one of the Three Musketeers movies, so I guess it's possible. Yeah. It'd be good. It, we would make it work. Yeah, but Mr. The Abbey. I like it. That's my last one. All right, so my last one, I'm going back to way before anybody was alive. Stop. But there were still a few people alive because it's newer than your last game. And I was in like and, seventh or eighth grade. <laughs> yeah. And this is the lightest of the three games that I'm going to talk about. And it's an Uve game. And it's before Uve decided to put Tetris in everything. <laughs> or feed people. Or feed people. Yeah. This is about the food that you would feed people. And it's, it's called Bonanza. And this is a stupid little card game. Um, you're it's planting not beans. It's stupid. It's awesome. It is awesome, but it's it's silly. The theme is silly. You're planting beans in fields. You're trying to get as many of the same kind of bean as you can to score the most coins. Um, you're going to be trying to trade people beans that they want for beans that you want because you can only have like a couple different types of beans in your fields. Two beans. Or if you have to plant something that you don't already have growing, you got to harvest, and you want to make sure when you harvest that you're at least harvesting the minimum required amount so you can get some money so it, it it's just silly like on your turn you're going to play a card or two cards and then you're going to flip a couple cards over and you, either you have to figure out a way to get other people to take them by using some trades or you're stuck with them or maybe you, they're just cards you want and you take them but it gets people uh involved you have a good time there's usually some yelling <laughs> uh so yeah this is a good game it i mean this might break my rule because it does not really feel super new Aha. but it's a great time yeah right so it's a great time and i'm gonna let it fall in katie's criteria <laughs> so i'm gonna let it slide for this one but my third game bonanza bonanza is so great it's one of those that really inspires great player interaction and it's a good time it's really easy to teach because you're really doing very simple um, actions you don't have a bunch of choices um, but like that trading, making deals, wheeling, dealing kind of thing, um, really goes over well. This game is awesome. I love it. Yeah. And if you get tired of playing just the base game, there's like five or six expansions that just jazz it up a little bit. So something to be on the lookout for. Yeah. And I mean, we, we've definitely left out some games. Uh, there are plenty of honorable mentions, obviously the gambler, number one, um, <laughs> <laughs> I see no ICP's not 2010. Yeah, watch yourself. It should it it should be. Remember you didn't do the research for the dates I did. <laughs> That's, true. <laughs> That's true. Um, you know, the gambler for sale, uh gosh, Mercator. There there are a lot of games out there that are 10 years or older and I think part of the reason why I wanted to do this episode is because in the board gaming kind of arena we are so quick to move on to the new hotness we forget games so many games come out in a year that a bunch of them slip past our radar and then you know if they're older than a couple years they've moved on and um i think we're missing out on some really quality games so tell us what are your favorite games that are 10 years or older what's aged gracefully for you 
What do you think about our games? Have you tried them? I encourage you to for sure because they are some good, good games. Um, but tell us about your old decrepit games that are still, you know, hot mama stuff. I don't know. I was going for some metaphor there and it crashed and burned. All right. So you get on me about the Twilight <laughs> deal and you just say hot mama stuff? It kind of, you know, like I'm thinking about like an old granny who's got like her matching velour tracksuit and her sunglasses on and her purple hair. So she's still fly, but you know, she's older. That's what I mean. She's fire. Stop. You don't understand the lingo. Fleek. No. Stop talking. <laughs> Edit yourself out. Bleep all that. <laughs> It never happened. You know I'm not going I to. I know it. <laughs> so what games are 10 years or older that you love to play? Um, tell us on our Facebook page or hit join the Riveted. The Riveted group, amazing people. Encouraging, fun. Um, you know, we will comment. We're pre- It's pretty okay. It's pretty okay in there. Uh, and we'll let anybody join. So just send a request to join. It's the hashtag, the riveted, all one word. Um, We love seeing new people. We love it when you guys post stuff, what you're playing, um, ask questions of each other, get feedback. I love that because you guys are the best. Um, Send us a message even. Uh, Go to our Instagram account. Go to Twitter. Uh, Go to our YouTube channel. If Jason would quit opening games before I get a chance to video them, I will put some, like, unboxing videos on there. One of these days. I'm going to get to a box first, and I'm going to film it. So we'll have some some new videos besides Jason's crazy face in there. But he does an awesome job. Has some really great reviews playthroughs um so check out our youtube channel subscribe like us um just keep talking with us guys because we need this kind of positivity and goodness and just you know old-fashioned love and care for each other so the riveted we love you guys um my newest favorite member (laughs) right now katie is fickle remember katie is fickle Sorry, Brent. Uh, Tim has deposed you. <laughs> he talked about our podcast on his own video and and review. <sighs> so that's a quick way to my heart is to talk about me. Yeah, so if you want to check out what Tim does, you can check out Board Game Rundown. Uh, I threw up the video where he's talking about us. Not just because he's talking about us. <laughs> but, but, but yes, maybe because, because he's, he's talking, talking about, about us. us. Right. <laughs> but it's on our Facebook page. You can go check that out and show them some support. It's really good. They're pretty knowledgeable about games, and even though Tim likes minis, we'll we'll let it slide. Yeah, we kind of pretend that he doesn't sometimes, so that we f- we feel better about having him in the group. <laughs> He's my token favorite right now, so I mean, yeah, I need like a little Tim mini to to put on like Katie's favorite shelf or something. It'll have to be switched out for somebody else, but hey, for now, Tim, you're my number one fan. <laughs> Katie's just gonna have little like uh, Cthulhu versions of everybody in the riveted to hang up on the wall. I, why would I put Cthulhu versions? I have like little Totoro meeples. I go for the shaped meeples. So That's I, true. I'd like you all to send me a shaped meeple, and then I'll just start ranking you on my board game shelf. <laughs> <laughs> Who's my favorite today? Oh, so right now on the Katie's favorite bracket, Brent got bumped out. Tim's in. <laughs> Who will be next week? Stay tuned. It's never going to be me, so you guys need to try. 
Oh, but baby, it's actually really people who are fighting for the number two spot because you're always my number one. Oh, that's sweet. Mm. It's because you went to the gas station and got me a Coke and some pickles. Hashtag Speedway. Listen to our podcast. Give us free stuff. I know. Speedway. You're carrying the pickles I love. <laughs> but because you don't have orange slices still. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is there. I thought it was the pandemic, but apparently it's not. All right. We're just getting crazy. Talking nonsense. So I think we should wrap this up. Um, I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. Keep gaming.